0: Section 23 of The Light That Failed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Magdalena Cook. The Light That Failed by Rudyard Kipling, chapter 15, part 1. With a heart of furious fancies whereof I am commander, with a burning spear and a horse of air, to the wilderness I wander. With the night of ghosts and shadows, I summoned Am to tourney, Ten legs beyond the wide world's end, Methinks it is no journey. TOM A BEDLAM SONG Good-bye, Bess. I promised you fifty. Here's a hundred. All that I got for my furniture from Beaton. That will keep you in pretty frocks for some time. You've been a good little girl, all things considered, But you've given me and Torpenhow a fair amount of trouble. Give Mr. Torpenhow my love if you see him, won't you? Of course, I will, dear. Now take me up the gangplank and into the cabin. Once aboard the lugger, and the maid is, and I am free. I mean, who look after you on this ship? The head steward, if there's any use in money. The doctor, when we come to port, said, if I know anything of P and O doctors. After that, the Lord will provide, as He used to do. Bess found Dicky's cabin in the wild turmoil of a ship full of leave-takers and weeping relatives. Then he kissed her and laid himself down in his bunk until the deck should be clear. He who had taken so long to move about his own darkened rooms well understood the geography of a ship, and the necessity of seeing to his own comforts was a wine to him. Before the screw began to thrash the ship along the docks he had been introduced to the head steward, had royally tipped him, secured a good place at table, opened out his baggage, and settled himself down with joy in the cabin it was scarcely necessary to feel his way as he moved about for he knew everything so well then god was very kind a deep sleep awareness came upon him just as he would have thought of macy and he slept till the steamer had cleared the mouth of the thames and was lifting to the pulse of the channel the rattle of the engines the reek of oil and paint and a very familiar sound in the next cabin roused him to his new inheritance oh it's good to be alive again He yawned, stretched himself vigorously, and went on deck to be told that they were almost abreast of the lights of Brighton. This is no more open water than Trafalgar Square is a common. The free levels begin at Ushant. But none the less Dick could feel the healing of the sea at work upon him already. A boisterous little cross-swell swung the steamer disrespectfully by the nose, and one wave breaking far aft spattered the quarter-deck and the pile of new deck-chairs. He heard the foam fall with a clash of broken glass, was stung in the face by a cupful, and, sniffing luxuriously, felt his way to the smoking-room by the wheel. There a strong breeze found him, blew his cap off, and left him bareheaded in the doorway, and the smoking-room steward, understanding that he was a voyager of experience, said that the weather would be stiff in the chops of the channel, and more than half a gale in the bay. These things fell as they were foretold, and Dick enjoyed himself to the utmost. It is allowable and even necessary at sea to lay firm hold upon tables stanchions and ropes in moving from place to place on land the man who feels with his hands is patently blind at sea even a blind man who is not seasick can jest with the doctor over the weakness of his fellows dick told the doctor many tales and these are coin of more value than silver if properly handled "'smoked with him till unholy hours of the night, "'and so won his short-lived regard "'that he promised Dick a few hours of his time "'when they came to Port Said. "'And the sea roared, or was still as the winds blew, "'and the engines sang their song day and night, "'and the sun grew stronger day by day, "'and Tom, the Lascar barber, shaved Dick off a morning "'under the open hutch grating, where the cool winds blew, "'and the awnings were spread, and the passengers made merry, "'and at last they came to Port Said.' "'Take me,' said Dick to the doctor, "'to Madame Benant's, if you know where that is.' "'Phew!' said the doctor. "'I do. There's not much to choose between them, but I suppose you're aware that that's one of the worst houses in the place. They'll rob you to begin with and knife you later.' "'Not they. Take me there, and I can look after myself.' So he was brought to Madame Benant's and filled his nostrils with a well-remembered smell of the East that runs without a change from the canal head to hong kong and his mouth with a villainous lingua franca of the levant the heat smote him between the shoulder blades with the buffet of an old friend his feet slipped on the sand and his coat sleeve was warm as new baked bread when he lifted it to his nose madame bernard smiled with a smile that knows no astonishment when dick entered the drinking shop which was one source of her gains but for a little accident of complete darkness He could hardly realize that he had ever quitted the old life that hummed in his ears. Somebody opened a bottle of peculiar strong she-dum. The smell reminded Dick of Monsieur Bernard, who, by the way, had spoken of art and degradation. Bernard was dead. Madame said as much when the doctor departed, scandalized, so far as a ship's doctor can be, at the warmth of Dick's reception. Dick was delighted at it. "'They remember me here after a year.' they have forgotten me across the water by this time madame i want a long talk with you when you're at liberty it is good to be back again in the evening she set an iron-topped cafe table out on the sands and dick and she sat by it while the house behind them filled with riot merriments oaths and threats the stars came out and the lights of the shipping in the harbour twinkled by the head of the canal yes the war is good for trade my friend But what dost thou do here we have not forgotten thee i was over there in england and i went blind but there was the glory first we heard of it here even here i am bernard and thou hast used the head of yellow tina she is still alive so often and so well that tina laughed when the papers arrived by the mail boats it was always something that we here could recognize in the paintings and then there was always the glory and the money for thee "'I am not poor. I shall pay you well.' "'Not to me. Thou hast paid for everything.' Under her breath, "'Mon Dieu, to be blind, and so young! What horror!' Dick could not see her face with a pity on it, or his own with a discoloured hair at the temples. He did not feel the need of pity. He was too anxious to get to the front once more, and explained his desire. "'And where? The canal is full of the English ships.' sometimes they fire as they used to do when the war was here ten years ago beyond cairo there is fighting but how canst thou go there without a correspondence passport and in the desert there is always fighting but that is impossible also said she i must go to suakin he knew thanks to elf's readings that torpenhow was at work with a column that was protecting the construction of the suakin berber line p and o steamers do not touch at that port and, besides, Madame Bernard knew everybody whose help or advice was worth anything. They were not respectable folk, but they could cause things to be accomplished, which is much more important when there is work toward. But at Suakin they are always fighting. That desert breeds men always, and always more men. And they are so bold. Why to Suakin? My friend is there. Thy friend? (laughs) Thy friend is death, then. Madame Bernard dropped a fat arm on the table-top, filled Dick's glass anew, and looked at him closely under the stars. There was no need that he should bow his head in assent and say, No, he is a man. But, if it should arrive, blamest thou? I blame? she laughed shrilly. Who am I that I should blame anyone, except those who try to cheat me over their consummations? But it is very terrible. I must go to Suakin. Think for me. A great deal has changed within the year, and the men I knew are not here. The Egyptian lighthouse steamer goes down the canal to Suakin, and the post-boats, but even then— Do not think any longer. I know, and it is for me to think. Thou shalt go. Thou shalt go and see thy friend. Be wise. Sit here until the house is a little quiet. I must attend to my guests, and afterwards go to bed. Thou shalt go. In truth— thou shalt go to-morrow as soon as may be she was talking as though he were a child he sat at the table listening to the voices in the harbour and the streets and wondering how soon the end would come till Madame Bernard carried him off to bed and ordered him to sleep the house shouted and sang and danced and reveled Madame Bernard moving through it with one eye on the liquor payments and the girls and the other on Dick's interests to this latter end she smiled, upon scowling and furtive Turkish officers of fellowhen regiments, and more than kind to camel agents of no nationality whatever. In the early morning, being then appropriately dressed in a flaming red silk ball dress, with a front of tarnished gold embroidery, and a necklace of play-glass diamonds, she made chocolate and carried it into Dick. "'It is only I, and I am of discreet age, eh? Drink and eat the roll, too.' thus in france mothers bring their sons when those behave wisely the morning chocolate she sat down on the side of the bed whispering it is all arranged thou wilt go by the lighthouse boat that is a bribe of ten pounds english the captain is never paid by the government the boat comes to suakin in four days they will go with thee george a greek muleteer another bribe of ten pounds i will pay they must not know of thy money george will go with thee as far as he goes with his mules then he comes back to me for his well beloved is here and if i do not receive a telegram from suakin saying that thou art well the girl answers for george thank you he reached out sleepily for the cup you are much too kind madame if there were anything that i might do i would say stay here and be wise but i do not think that would be best for thee she looked at her liquor-stained dress with a sad smile nay thou shalt go in truth thou shalt go it is best so my boy it is best so she stooped and kissed dick between the eyes that is for good morning she said going away when thou art dressed we will speak to george and make everything ready but first we must open the little trunk give me the keys the amount of kissing lately has been simply scandalous I shall expect Torp to kiss me next he is more likely to swear at me for getting in his way though well it won't last long oh madame help me to my toilet off the guillotine there will be no chance of dressing properly out yonder he was rummaging among his new campaign kit and rolling his hands with the spurs there are two ways of wearing well-oiled ankle jacks spotless blue bands khaki coat and breeches and a perfectly pipe-clayed helmet. The right way is the way of the untired man, master of himself, setting out upon an expedition, well pleased. "'Everything must be very correct,' Dick explained. "'It will become dirty afterwards, but now it is good to feel well-dressed. Is everything as it should be?' He patted the revolver neatly hidden under the fullness of the blouse on the right hip, and fingered his collar. "'I can do no more.' madame said between laughing and crying look at thyself but i forgot i am very content he stroked the creaseless spirals of his leggings now let us go and see the captain and george and the lighthouse boat be quick madame but thou canst not be seen by the harbour walking with me in the daylight figure to yourself if some english ladies there are no english ladies and if there are i have forgotten them take me there In spite of his burning impatience it was nearly evening ere the lighthouse boat began to move madame had said a great deal both to george and the captain touching the arrangements that were to be made for dick's benefit very few men who had the honour of her acquaintance cared to disregard madame's advice that sort of contempt might end in being knifed by a stranger in a gambling hall upon surprisingly short provocation for six days two of them were wasted in the crowded canal The little steamer worked her way to Suakin, where she was to pick up the superintendent of the lighthouse, and Dick made it his business to propitiate George, who was distracted with fears for the safety of his light of love, and half inclined to make Dick responsible for his own discomfort. When they arrived, George took him under his wing, and together they entered the red-hot seaport, encumbered with the material and wastage of the Suakin burger line from locomotives in disconsolate fragments to mounds of chairs and pot sleepers if you keep with me said george nobody will ask for passports or what you do they are all very busy yes but i should like to hear some of the englishmen talk they might remember me i was known here a long time ago when i was someone indeed a long time ago is a very long time ago here the graveyards are full now listen This new railway runs out so far as Tanay-el-Hassan, that is seven miles. Then there is a camp. They say that beyond Tanay-el-Hassan the English troops go forward, and everything that they require will be brought to them by this line. Ah, base camp, I see. That's a better business than fighting fuzzies in the open. For this reason even the mules go up in the iron train. Iron what? it is all covered with iron because it is still being shot at an armored train better and better go on faithful george and i go up with my mules to-night only those who particularly require to go to the camp go out with a the train they begin to shoot not far from the city the dears they always used to dick snuffed the smell of parched dust heated iron and flaking paint with delight Certainly the old life was welcoming him back most generously. "'When I have got my mules together, I go up to-night, but you must first send a telegram to Port Said, declaring that I have done you no harm. "'Madame has you well in hand. Would you stick a knife into me if you had the chance?' "'I have no chance,' said the Greek. "'She is there with that woman.' "'I see. It's a bad thing to be divided between love of woman and the chance of loot.' I sympathize with you, George. They went to the telegraph office unquestioned, for all the world was desperately busy and had scarcely time to turn its head, and Suakin was the last place under sky that would be chosen for holiday ground. On their return, the voice of an English Bolton asked Dick what he was doing. The blue goggles were over his eyes, and he walked with his hand on George's elbow as he replied Egyptian government mules. "'My orders are to give them over to the ACG at Ten el hassan "'Any occasion to show my papers?' "'Oh, certainly not. I beg your pardon. "'I'd no right to ask. But not seeing your face before, I—' "'I go out in the train tonight, I suppose,' said Dick boldly. "'There will be no difficulty in loading up the mules, will there?' "'You can see the horse platforms from here. "'You must have them loaded up early.' The young man went away wondering what sort of broken-down waif this might be who talked like a gentleman and consorted with Greek muleteers. Dick felt unhappy. To outface an English officer is no small thing, but the bluff loses relish when one plays it from the utter dark and stumbles up and down rough ways, thinking and eternally thinking of what might have been if things had fallen out otherwise, and all had been as it was not. George shared his meal with Dick and went off to the mule-lines. His charge sat alone in a shed with his face in his hands. Before his tight-shut eyes danced the face of Macy, laughing with parted lips. There was a great bustle and clamour about him. He grew afraid and almost called for George. "'I say, have you got your mules ready?' It was the voice of the subaltern over his shoulder. "'My man's looking after them. The The fact is, of a touch of ophthalmia— and can't see very well by jove that's bad you ought to lie up in hospital for a while i've had a turn of it myself it's as bad as being blind so i find it when does this armored train go at six o'clock it takes an hour to cover the seven miles are the fussies on the rampage eh about three nights a week fact is i'm acting command of the night train it generally runs back empty to tonight for the night Big camp at tenai, I suppose? Pretty big. It has to feed our desert column somehow. Is that far off? Between thirty and forty miles in an infernal thirsty country. Is the country quiet between tenai and our men? More or less. I shouldn't care to cross it alone or with a subaltern's command for the matter of that. But the scouts get through it in some extraordinary fashion. They always did. Have you been here before then? I was through most of the trouble when it first broke out in the service and cashiered was the subaltern's first thought so he refrained from putting any questions there's your man coming up with the mules it seems rather queer that i should be mule-leading said dick i didn't mean to say so but it is forgive me it's beastly impertinence i know but you speak like a man who has been at a public school There's no mistaking the tone. I am a public schoolman. I thought so. I say, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're a little down on your luck, aren't you? I saw you sitting with your head in your hands, and that's why I spoke. Thanks. I'm about as thoroughly and completely broke as a man need be. Suppose, I mean, I'm a public schoolman myself. Couldn't I perhaps take it as a loan, you know, and... "'You're much too good, but on my honour I've as much money as I want. "'I tell you what you could do for me, though, "'and put me under an everlasting obligation. "'Let me come into the bogey-truck of the train. "'There is a four-truck, isn't there?' "'Yes. How would you know?' "'I've been in an armoured train before. "'Only let me see—hear some of the fun, I mean, "'and I'll be grateful. "'I go at my own risk as a non-combatant.' "'The young man thought for a minute.' all right he said we're supposed to be an empty train and there's no one to blow me up the other end end of section twenty three